Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. part podcast on the subject of unplugging and I'm trying to make the case for why we should probably all strongly consider it unfortunately for me I can't because of my job in the media I am required to have a social media presence Uh, but you don't necessarily have to so to talk about how to effectively and efficiently unplug uh, i.e. deleting apps that you don't want on your phone or maybe separating yourself from the technology altogether. We're going to talk to Nick Espinoza. He is with Security Fanatics. He's also a CIO, speaker, columnist, author, radio host, board member, a member of the Forbes Tech Council. He's also a TEDx talker. Uh, but let's ask Nick why he is so passionate about the subject of unplugging. Yeah, uh, I mean, we have a lot of, obviously, I think, different issues, uh, you know, in society as well. And uh, I, I think that just unplugging yourself from technology, and I love technology. I, I, I don't believe anybody should be going Amish here or anything, but I do think that we, we tend to need breaks from them. Technology, as I think we've seen, uh, especially in the social media era, has become a rather addictive, uh, you know, addictive issue. Uh, for a lot of people where you can't put your phone down. But on top of that, we also have a lot of different cyber threats that I don't think many people are as aware of as they should be. And and so by virtue of that, I think sometimes having that, that distance from technology is a good thing. And let's talk about what apps on our phone, because we've talked about the subject of cybersecurity a couple of times here on Not in the Mood, and I want to focus more on us as individuals uh, what what you know? What do we have on our phone that puts us at risk? What should we not have on our phone? And what apps for safe do you think? Uh, yeah. So I mean, I, I think it depends on what you consider and quantify risk, or rather, as risk. And so, if I'm looking at a lot of the apps on your phone, risk could mean, uh, let's say, susceptibility to getting you hacked, susceptibility to uh, you know maliciously stealing your data, and all of that. Or risk could be based on privacy, meaning. Uh, you want to keep things on your phone private, but you're installing apps that might be scraping that data, taking that data out. And it might be a legitimate app that you're using. The old axiom that we that we use in technology is if it's free to you, you're the product. And so by virtue of that, as you're installing Facebook and using Facebook, anything that you do on Facebook is being completely data mined. But what a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of the other apps that you're installing that have nothing to do with Facebook, these could be games or productivity apps or other things, 
actually integrates Facebook's technology into it. It's known as a software development kit or SDK. And then they're actually funneling information from those apps back to Facebook. Now, Facebook's not the only one out there. Google, obviously, uh, is, is as well. They're, they're doing this as well. And if you're using their free Gmail or you're searching, all of this kind of stuff is basically creating a profile on you that Google has so that they can better market and advertise things to you, which is Facebook's design as well. But we've seen a lot of privacy violations uh, coming out, at least here in the United States, as a result of this. So, for example, in New York, life insurance companies were given the right to basically get data from Facebook to actually prove that, that what you said on your insurance claims were actually true. So if you, if you sign up for life insurance and say, oh, I live a rather sedentary life, I don't do risky things, but your Facebook uh, you know, pictures show you jumping out of airplanes or you know, cliff diving in Alcapulco or something, uh, you know, they're going to see that and basically deny you. So understand that essentially almost everything that you're doing online, especially through free apps, are data mining you. They're being sent to advertisers. You're being profiled in that way, not to mention uh, you know, what various governments can possibly uh, you know, get on you as well. You know, and I think the first uh, obvious uh, app like that that comes to mind is that Flashlight app. I feel like it's been about 10 years now uh, where there was a story about a, a Flashlight app that, that, would, that was out available for phones that was mining all kinds of data. Uh, you know, what is your advice to folks like that? Like, what should we be avoiding? Yeah, so, so it's really interesting, uh, and that's actually a really good case uh, from years ago, is everybody wanted to basically use the flash, uh, you know, from their phone's camera as a flashlight, and so they would go download, just go to the app store and start downloading things, and to your point, it would infect them, or it would put adware on their device, so every time they went to a website, they'd actually get pop-ups or ads for, you know, for other things. Uh, it, it's a huge problem, and so as we are looking, or as rather as we are trying to vet the apps in our lives, Understand that, that different makers are, are going to have different standards and also that some of the control mechanisms that have been put into place by both Google and Apple and iPhone users, you are not off the hook here, aren't 100%. So Apple has an entire privacy scorecard. It kind of looks like the nutrition label on the side of a, uh, on the side of a cereal box, but those are actually self-attested to, meaning if I'm a developer, I can basically attest to my own privacy controls, and that's what Apple is publishing. So it's giving, in some ways, the illusion of privacy when you're not necessarily getting it. So when I am looking at apps, I am looking at essentially the country where it is developed in. So does that country have good data privacy laws that all of their companies in that country, including this app developer, are going to have to adhere to? So if it's coming out of, let's say, Germany, they're part of the European Union or the EU, which means they have more stringent data privacy laws, and so there's much less of a, uh, a chance for that app to probably be uh, malicious or infected or scrape your data in a way that isn't compliant with a rather stringent law. Uh, so if I have an app, let's say, that's built in a country that's adversarial to the United States, like Iran or Russia, North Korea, something along those lines, I tend to want to avoid those because I know I have no recourse under international law if I want to be forgotten. And so I really, really recommend that. But another thing that I recommend, too, uh, especially on the Android side as well, is making sure that you're installing a good virus scanner uh, into your phone. You have the, there, there are virus scanners that you can download on the, uh, in the Google Play Store that as you're installing these apps, they'll actually put them through tests 
to make sure that the apps are legitimate, that the apps are safe and all of that. Uh, I would also uh, recommend getting a web filter in uh, your phone as well, meaning it's essentially going to check the website that you go to. A lot of people fall for phishing scams. So you think you're going to Google.com, but you're actually going to Google.com and it, it looks exactly like it and you're logging in or you think you're logging in and now you're giving away your information or your passwords or getting infected. And so web filters tend to have that ability to, to actually stop that because if you can't get to the website, you can't get infected. Or if you can't get to the website, you can't give away your information. So those are two really important tips, I think. Now, you, you know, we talk about apps that we feel like are spying on us. Uh, the, the most obvious example to me is when you can be texting about something with your friend uh, and then all of a sudden, a day later, you find Facebook ads basically, uh, you know, custom tailored to the subject matter of what you were texting with your friend about. What exactly what data are these apps mining? Uh, so that's actually a really good, really good thing, a uh, really good point, I should say, and really good question. So apps will basically mine anything that they can get their hands on, depending on the app and the integration to organizations that want your data. So if, if you recall, I mentioned Facebook has what's known as an SDK or software development kit. There have been apps that have actually been found to essentially integrate this. So it's not the Facebook app, it's a different app. And it will do things like turn on your microphone and listen. And it's not necessarily listening to your conversation. Uh, one of the apps was listening to what you were listening to, meaning were you listening to a television show? Were you listening to, I don't know, Metallica? And now it understands that you like Metallica, therefore that information gets transmitted back to data miners and advertisers, and then it turns around and says, aha, this person likes Metallica, well, why don't we, why don't we offer them the new CD box set or tickets to the concert or whatever that is, merchandise, you know? That's what they're doing. And so making sure that you're using good apps, like so for texting, for example, there's an app out there called Signal. It's known good. It's run by a nonprofit. It is end-to-end -end encryption. It is private. It's not being data mined. They're not integrating these Google and Facebook and Amazon software development kits to data mine you. And so you know as you're talking, you know, with your friends or your loved ones or whoever, it's going to be secure. There are many apps out there that will scrape that information. Uh, Facebook that owns WhatsApp basically uh, says that WhatsApp is a very safe and secure encrypted uh, system. But Facebook has also come out and said, yes, we're using artificial intelligence to essentially um, scan these messages to train our AI. And then they actually have Facebook employees that can look at these messages as well. So it's not as safe as it is. Google does the same thing with Gmail. They've been caught per the Wall Street Journal letting third parties into your Gmail account to read your unredacted Gmail for, for training purposes and other things. So, so understanding, again, that, that not all apps are built the same. And even if the app looks great or can be productive, it can be made from, uh, you know, in a country where, where it's much more higher, uh, has a much more higher susceptibility to actually stealing your data or scraping your data and giving it to somebody you don't want to. But it also could be infecting you or, or simply just violating your privacy due to its relationship with all, some of the big tech firms out there. So, Nick, I want to be honest. When you're talking about all this stuff, I want to take a hammer to my phone and then I want to go down to Walgreens and I want to buy a track phone. I want to buy a dumb phone. Right. Uh, right. You know, what's what's the happy medium between going completely analog dumb phone to uh, opening yourself up to to fraud and malfeasance and who knows what else by having all of these dangerous apps on your phone? What 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 should we be doing? 
Right. And I, and I think that's, that's actually, I, I get that a lot. Like, I'm just going to go move into a bunker, <laughs> you know, and, and cut myself off and, and all of that. And it's, it's a very common reaction. As I like to say, you know, we're not going to go Amish here. You know, we're going to use and we're going to embrace technology. But what we have to understand, I think, overall as a society, and not just the United States, but as a global society, as we adopt the Internet age and we adopt mobile technology and mobile technology platforms, is that we have a changing face and understanding of what privacy is. And so by virtue of that, a lot of the information that we give away isn't simply because we've installed an app onto our phone that is going to, let's say, scrape that information out there. That's definitely something to consider. But we also share prolifically on social media platforms that are data mining. And so, for example, I mentioned the life insurance thing. Well, if you're, you're on Facebook telling about telling all of your friends about, you know, your medical procedure or your medical history or your health issues, understand that it's not just you and your friends that see that information, regardless of your privacy settings. It's you, your friends and Mark Zuckerberg and all of Mark Zuckerberg's employees and basically the, the advertisers that he is selling that information to. And so the happy medium here, I think, is a balance of basically having awareness of the apps on your phone, whether they're good or bad, where they're developed, are they secure or not? Do they promise you things like encryption or do they not promise you anything? But also what we as a society, what we as an individual share out to the world, because what's private to you, for example, may not be private to me. Like I don't share, uh, you know, deeply personal things out there. I don't put pictures you know, of my family, uh, any member of my family, uh, you know, out into social media because that's for their privacy protection. Now, you know, if they make a choice to do that themselves, as long as they're informed with that choice, that's fine by me. But understand that that we are living in this world where everything that we are doing, uh, you know, is basically being tracked and being monitored because we simply are walking around with a phone. And that phone has a sea of sensors that's doing all of that. So, so what we are saying online, if you will, is just as important as the apps that we are vetting and filtering to install into our lives. Now, I joke about wanting to get a track phone, but if I'm being perfectly honest, you know, I'm as tangled in Google's web as anybody. I use Gmail. I have oh, two yeah. different Gmail accounts. Uh, I use Google Voice. I use Google Drive. I pay them a dollar and 99 cents every month for the added digital storage. Uh, right. Is it too late for me? Am I lost? Uh, no, no. And, and what's interesting about that uh, is uh, that a lot of people don't realize that data ages. And so there are alternatives that are known good, known private. So instead of using Gmail, for example, you can go sign up for ProtonMail. ProtonMail is worldwide, but they're based out of Switzerland. They have very stringent data privacy laws. There's also other places you can pay, uh, you know, to, to have digital storage that will give you essentially uh, encrypted storage so that they can't monitor it, they can't data mine it. But the nice part about this is, one, as you are going through, let's say, transferring and moving all of these things, you start to remove all of the data that you have or that Google has collected on you. And by virtue of that, eventually they're probably going to have that retention out because they're going to need the space as they're ever expanding. And so eventually your pictures will be gone from their ecosystem if you, let's say, delete them. Uh, and the other part is, is that as we get further away from the data, the data ages and becomes less relevant. That's why when we see in the dark web, uh, you know, a list that is brand new, oh, brand new stolen usernames and passwords. Well, a month later, that list is a lot less expensive. Two months later, that list is probably free. Because we age, we change addresses, we change our relationship statuses, we change almost everything short of our social security numbers, which is almost impossible to do. 
And so by virtue of that, even as we age, our faces change. So the further we get away from the data that we were putting into a Google, uh, the less information or more relevant, newer information they have on us. So how do you know, I mean, you know, as the as an average uh, John or Jane Doe, uh, internet user, phone consumer, non-expert, how do we know what's safe and what isn't? So there are a lot of different places uh, that you can go online uh, to take a look at the reputation of an app. And so you can basically, <laughs> and I hate to say it, but you can go in Google uh, you know, app reputation scores, and there's a lot of places that will give them reputation or security store uh, security scores. Uh, you know, sometimes it just takes a little bit of elbow grease. So, you know, if uh, somebody comes to me and says, hey, can you vet this app for me? Is it safe? I'll do my due diligence. I'll go online. I'll say, okay, where are they headquartered? Oh, they're in San Francisco or are they in Moscow or are they somewhere else? You know, so there's a lot of resources out there that that we can use um, to basically uh, vet those apps to make sure that they are secure. There's a lot of tech publications out there, uh, you know, like TechDirt and Wired and, and Tom's Hardware. And, you know, there's so many out there on top of the big ones, uh, you know, like Forbes and, uh, and other places that will oftentimes put out these rankings, put out these scores, um, or tell you when, when something's, uh, you know, something's problematic. All you have to do is type in uh, to Google Facebook and data breach, and you will get thousands and thousands of articles on the various data breaches and privacy violations that uh, that Facebook has wrought on us. So a little bit of research, uh, and it does you know anybody can do it. You don't have to be a tech genius or know of some super secret site or unique search search engines. You can simply Google reputations. You can Google the understanding of privacy, even on Google, and you'll find articles that Google will pull up for you on Google violating your privacy as well. So it actually is a pretty good uh, utility for that as well. And there are other more secure search engines you can use like StartPage and DuckDuckGo that will make you more anonymous as well if you don't want to use Google, and they will pull up very similar results also. Well, and you mentioned data breach. Uh, you know, you can you can do uh, everything within your power to protect yourself while online, but if you're a T-Mobile customer, guess what? Your personal, your personal information, my personal information, Correct. is now out there on the dark web. Absolutely. And that's one of the scourges that we have. And I think that's also one of the reasons why, you know, trust is at an all time low, especially when it comes to big tech and infrastructure providers, is that they are not maintaining their houses in proper security order. And in the case of uh, the case of T-Mobile, for example, is actually a 21 year old. Uh, he went on the record with Wall Street Journal and basically said, yeah, I've been looking for open weaknesses in T-Mobile's infrastructure. And he did it to get publicity. He literally told the Wall Street Journal this to get publicity and got their data, basically took a copy of their data. But this is the problem that we have perpetually is that we've had several spectacular data breaches that have impacted every American or, or people around the globe. And it's a huge problem. I mean, look at Equifax, look at Marriott, you know, even look at British Airways out of the UK that affected a ton of Americans as well because they use British Airways. So, so yes, I mean, that's the problem that we have is that, the issue that I, or rather I should say, the issue that I think we have is that we are extending trust without necessarily vetting. And some of these things we are going to trust automatically. So I walk into Home Depot to buy something for my house, for example, I am trusting them that when I give them my credit card, they're going to store that in a secure and a compliant and a safe manner. But they went through a massive data breach. So did Target, you know, and, and here we are. Hopefully they're learning and they're improving, but that's also the balance that we have to run with you know, tr uh, choosing to trust the institutions we trust in our daily lives. 
Funny story, I've actually been uh, part of a massive data breach before involving the federal government. Uh, back in 2004, 2005, I had a job with a HUD contractor, the Department of Housing and Urban Development, uh, reconciling REO properties, real estate-owned properties. So uh, in this case, it was, you know, the Department of Housing and Urban Development essentially backs an FHA or a VA mortgage. Then when the borrower defaults, the federal government assumes ownership of that property. So I worked for a company that was contracted to basically get the property uh, listed and, and ready to sell. And then, and then we'd sell it and I would go into HUD's uh, database and basically clear the property out, clear all the, the dollar values out. So long story short, uh, HUD was actually the subject of a, a data breach and I had to have credit monitoring for about two years. Thankfully, nothing came of it, but that was kind of for me, my first eye-opening experience about our vulnerabilities uh, being connected to the internet the way that we are. So in the fourth part of our conversation, we're going to continue talking to Nick Espinoza, but we're going to talk about the psychology of unplugging. What are the benefits to us emotionally? Uh, and we're going to get into that in part four. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 